I'm back. Look at look at it. Look at all the old people just got mad right there real quick. That's okay. What's good, y'all? It's your boy Pat the Designer back at it again. Joined by Jason McKee in the building. The man who's uh, on a tour right now of just tormenting the opposing teams. But I mean, my God, dog, you you running through them like that out there, Carmel brother? Man, I'm on I'm on a I'm on like two tours. It's a very it's a different tour. You know what I mean? Like I'm on a <laughs> I'm on a good tour with, with my school, Carmel Catholic. We've been on a roll. Kids have been playing well. And then you flip the script and I've been on a uh, a butt whooping tour. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. the Bears have lost what I mean, they lost to the Chargers, was out there for that game. Obviously was down in New Orleans for that game. They lost that game too. So I'm thrilled to be home. I'm excited about the game tomorrow. Uh, we got a struggling one and seven Panthers team coming in. Oh yeah. The funny thing is, like you know, for me, all the guys who have been been hurt, who have been who haven't been healthy, you know, you see a one and seven Panthers team, and they're coming off their injury report. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. We got the Panthers coming. Yeah. In. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready. Like it's a it's a potentially a get right feel good game for the Bears and Bears fans. Let's hope. Let's hope. Let's hope it happens that way. At least I hope. It, it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully we uh, get a report today that Justin Fields was a full go. Saw the report that uh, from, uh, I believe that was uh, Schefter that talked about that. Yeah. Uh, basically saying that if he wasn't full, he probably wasn't going to play today. Again, Wednesday on a Thursday night game is basically just a walkthrough. So right. I would think that there would be a full if the grip strength has returned, right? You're just slowly walking through things. But we'll see what it all is. We got so much to get into on today's show, man. I mean, the, the the comeback show is uh, is a fulfilled show here. Uh, Roquan Smith talking crazy about the organization. Bill Belichick might be interested in coming here if things go south. Is this a must-win game? Herbert, uh, with Herbert back, who's going to be the lead back? There's so much to get into. So hit that like button, subscribe to the page. We've got a ton of stuff coming you guys way. Stay tuned with us. Leave that five-star review. Y'all know what to do, man. We appreciate y'all over on Apple Podcasts. I think we have to like 50-something reviews over there, so we're doing good, man. Doing real good. Uh, Let's start it off here, though, J-Mac. First things first, uh, just some quick thoughts. Uh, Let's start off with the game because uh, this game is a... When you when you look at what Carolina's bringing, you feel like the Chicago Bears should be able to come out of this with a win. But there's also this team that we have had that has had a ton of question marks. Now they're possibly going to go back to Justin Fields if he can get the thumb right. Is this a must-win game? Not only just before the confidence of the people in that locker room that are trying to fight to get something done, but also for the fact that that's the pick that you're hoping ends up being the number one overall pick yet again. Yeah, you got to get a win. I mean, it's you know, like the way we've been playing the past few weeks and pretty much all year, you know, up and down, uh, not even being in games. Yeah. Uh, you know, last week being in a game, having all those turnovers, five turnovers, like the guys need this win, right? And, and I talked about this before, especially after the game. I talked with a lot of the guys and it's hard as hell to, to, to go back in that locker room, to go to that practice field, to go back in that meeting room, to go back in that dang building after you keep after you keep having bad results after bad results Sunday, Sunday in and Sunday out. Like, it's tough, man. And it's, it's not just tough for a football player, but imagine if you had a regular job, right? And you go to your job and you put together this presentation, right? You feel like, hey, I've got the presentation broken down, the game plan's good, and you go to the presentation and you bomb it every single time, like, it's draining mentally, physically, like, you know, 
the coaches, they're saying the right things. Hey, believe in one another. This is a great game plan, all this stuff. We got to execute the details and all that stuff. And you go out there and you lay an egg and it goes the opposite way. So as, as just human nature, you know, even at, from a player standpoint, you start questioning, like, is this really the plan? Does this yeah. really work? Do we have the right ingredients to, to have success? Are we a good football team? Like, you'll start to question that things. And then, you know, do you have the, the grit and the mentality to continue going through the process to prepare to have a chance to be successful? Like, you know, guys will start sitting in and say, oh, I don't, you know, I'm not practicing today or oh, I'm not lifting. You know, we're going to lose anyway. That's yeah. human nature. That's human nature. But, you know, it just all goes back to like we've been saying all year. You know, you've got to have those leaders in the locker room that enforce the standard, you know, that continue to uphold the culture that's going to make guys, you know, continue to do the little things that's necessary for you to hope to have a chance of getting a win. And this is a game, you know, like we said, this is a must win. You have to have this one. I mean, come on. It's it's so interesting, especially, right, like when you bring up the co- – first off, there's never been a coaching staff that has had a bad week of practice, right? I'm so sick of hearing Matt Eberflus come out there. Like, you know, I felt we did some really good things at practice. No, duh. Like, of course you do. Like, yeah. it's your practice. They ran it the way that you wanted it to. We can all stop saying that. That'd be great. But what is interesting to me about kind of the things that I've seen and, – and, I, of course, I didn't get to see um, – the game live, but rewatching it back on the uh, on the plane on the way home, the one thing that stood out to me was the issues that we like to complain about with Justin Fields. I'm starting to see them creep their way into Tyson Bajan's game. The mistakes over the middle, not being able to read the defense all of a sudden, right? And he has those moments where it flashes, and then he has those moments where it starts to go away. That makes me start to say, okay. Uh, both quarterbacks are having issue over the middle. They're doing great to the outside. What the heck are we coaching? And that's the one thing that coming into this Panthers game, I kind of want to see if we do go back to Justin or if we stick to Tyson, is that something that continues to persist? Because at that point, I think you do kind of have, I mean, listen, at this point, right? Like they'd have to go on a, a Detroit Lions run. Yeah to save their jobs. And it's not me calling for their jobs, anything. It's just the real reality of the NFL. But what we've seen tells me, I, I can see that there's talented players on this team. It feels like there's not the proper utilization of these players. And I feel like a week versus the Panthers where they're a team you should beat. They're a team you should be fully prepared for. They're a team that you should be able to go out there and dominate on both ends, especially with getting Montez Sweat more comfortable and having him and Yannick. If we don't see that this week, I wouldn't be surprised if you're not talking about a coaching staff that's not here after this week. I know that seems like worst case scenario, but let's be real. You're not doing anything that puts us in a position to be successful. Why are you here? Yeah. I mean, well, the Bears have never fired a coach in season, right? So I don't see that happening. I think, you know, if they do lose, man, please don't. But if they do, yeah, you know, I mean, it's going to be Armageddon around <laughs> around Chicago. Oh, yeah. It already has been, but it's going to be, you know, to another level. Uh, but like you said, though, there, there is some good pieces on this roster I um, mean, look at, you know, you bring in Sweat, and we talked about him last week. He's a good foundational piece that you need on that defensive front, a piece that can, you know, he can enhance the play of the guys around him. He's a piece to build around on the defensive front, a front that's still lacking in sacks. I think they had, what, zero sacks last week, I think? Yes. I don't remember seeing one on the sideline, unless I missed something somewhere, but I didn't see one. 
Uh, check here. I didn't. Yeah, they had uh, zero. It was zero. They oh, didn't have any. Okay. They didn't have any. You, you are. Oh man, it's crazy. There's like so many tackles. Yeah. Tyson Bajans on the tackle list because of how many turnovers there were. It's crazy out here. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then and then you know you look at. I mean, Tevin Jenkins has played great. I know we're going to talk about that later on oh, in the yeah. show, but you know, I, I love this press conference he had yesterday. He was, he was talking about, you know, the opportunity, and it's crazy. You, you got a guy who's been in the league for a while. Giving so much praise to a rookie right tackle, Darnell Wright. He's saying, look, he's, uh, uh, Tevin said, it's it's a great opportunity, and I'm honored to play alongside Darnell Wright, who's a rookie in this league. Like, you don't yeah. really see vets give rookies that type of compliments. And he says that you know they're building chemistry. When you watch the All-22, they were getting after guys. I mean, it was – in the first quarter, they ran outside zone. Uh, Deontay, uh, Deontay Foreman, man, and – and, and Tevin reached the three technique. I think it was what I have my notes here. It was Nathan Shepard. I think was the, uh, was the three technique for the Saints. And man, he reached him and just drove him off the ball and buried him and and put his weight. And when you bury somebody, right? It's offensive line. Old, old school trick is you fall on them. You put all your weight on them so yeah. they can kill you. And you know that's what I love about Tevin's game: the grit, the tenacity, the nastiness. Like that's what you need in terms of developing a standard and culture in a mindset and mentality amongst the offensive line. Like, that's what you need. And Darna Wright plays the same way. So we talk about pieces. This team has pieces. You talk about Tyson Bajit, you know, looking like Justin Fields or making Justin Field mistakes. Yeah, he, he is. And, and, and I think you can be more lenient with Tyson making those mistakes because he is a rookie. He is kind of he's a rookie. 100%. Right? So some of those throws he made late and over in the middle, you, you look at the first one, the first pick he threw to Cole Komet. He's going through his progressions and he comes back and just throws the ball to Cole. Well, it's not there. It may have been there back at Shepard, but it's not because you've got an elite level of players. You look at the one he threw to, I think it was it was DJ or Darnell, the second one over in the middle. Well, Darnell. Late, yeah, Darnell. Well, he's late and inaccurate over the middle. And when you're late and inaccurate over the middle, it's interception. At Shepard University, that may have been a completion, but in the NFL, it's interception. So like we said, he's done some great things. He he made some good situational plays where his awareness took over and he scrambled. In particularly, you know, the first down in which he reached extended that drive. Um, you know, he has shown some flashes, some good things. But like I said before, it's when you have the same results, negative results over and over again, right? Yeah. Press questions are going to creep in, right? That's just human nature. But you've got to have those those key uh, those key pieces, those key leaders in that locker room to make sure that the standard of preparation, right, the attention to detail at practice, the extra reps, the extra lifting, all that stuff that you need to have week in and week out to give you a chance to win, you got to make sure that those standards don't slip. And that's where the leaders come in. How hard is it to be that voice during a season like this, right? Because even right, even you said, right, like when you guys had your down seasons, there were a lot of guys in there that were like, listen, one, I may not be here next year. Two, yeah. uh, I got a vacation planned in a week and a half that I'm ready to go on. You know what I mean? Like, how hard yeah. is it to be that voice as a player in these moments? Because this is a game right now where, like, I would hope the Bears feel that they can win. But you have to have your team 100% in to go win any game in the NFL. And this might be one where if you got guys already thinking, listen, boys, it's over. We out of here. They not going to be here this year. We probably not going to be here because they brought us here. Yeah. Let's get let's get to the rest of this season and get these checks. Yeah, it's hard. Like it's it's a catch 22 because, you know, some of these guys will have that mindset where they're they're checked out 
because yeah. they haven't got the results. It's like ground a bad groundhog day, the same thing over and over again. Um, so they will have those thoughts. Those thoughts may creep in and they say, you know what, look, I'm collecting my check. You know, Thursday used to be payday. I'm collecting my check. We always win on Thursday. Uh you know, have that type of mentality. You always win on Thursday. Hey, that's what you say. Undefeated on Thursday, baby. Undefeated on Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great line. I'm not going to lie to you. Undefeated on Thursday, man. But but here's the other thing, right? Then you have some of these guys who are, you know, trying to make sure that they stay in the NFL. And and guys have to understand that your film's always being evaluated. So as soon as you set foot on that field, Every rep you take is being evaluated by, by you got pro scouts, you got gyms, because all these teams are looking to find find ways to improve their team. They're trying to find pieces. They're trying to find hidden gems. You know what I'm saying? And if you're out there not putting together good tape, even in a season like you're having this year, yeah. then you won't be on a roster, especially if you're a lower tier guy who doesn't have the status of some of these you know, upper echelon guys. You're not going to be on a roster. So it's a case to where, hey, you know what? We have a bad team. I'm getting reps because of injuries. I'm getting reps because they want to see what I have or how I can help this team. We better be putting good tape out there if you want to remain on an NFL roster. The interesting thing that we're going to see this week that I think is going to be a, a huge help to the style that this Bears team plays, no matter who the quarterback is out there, is we're going to be seeing Khalil Herbert yeah. come back. Uh, and, I mean, listen, that's that's a massive gain to this running back room. We've seen Deontay Foreman do some really good things. Roshan Johnson, I think it's been kind of spit. It's it's weird. It's like anytime he gets the ball, he does something, and then they don't give him the ball for the next 15 plays. But, you know, that's just me. Uh, before we do that, though, brought to you by the, today's episode is brought to you by the Hard Rock Casino. You can see comedy legend Jay Leno at Hard Rock Live Saturday, November 11th. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. That's this weekend. Go check out Jay Leno, actually. Uh, with Herbert coming back, though, and this is the toughest part about being a running back in the NFL. Going into this Carolina game, do you instantly throw him back in there as the lead back? Or do you continue with the running back room that you've had on display because they've been effective? It's not like, you know, the effectiveness of the run game has completely fallen off. We've seen it have some up and downs, but there's still been that effectiveness there. I mean, I feel like, you know, despite the Chargers game, the running game has been steady. It's been good. I mean, Deontay Foreman has really played well. Darrington Evans, when given an opportunity, has really played well. Those two have been a good combination. You're in a bright spot for an offense that's been struggling. And, you know, I'm going to, if I was the, if I was, if I had the choice, right, I'm keeping Deontay in there as a lead back. I think he's earned it. I think mm. he's proven since Khalil has been out that he deserves to continue to be the lead back. He is Khalil in. Plus, you think, look at it like this, right? This is when the player is playing against his former team, right? There's added incentive, added motivation. And Deontay Foreman is playing against the Panthers, you know, the team in which he, you know, he didn't he didn't resign there. We signed him away from the Panthers. So I think Deontay Foreman has done some great things. And he's really impressed me with his ability to to run outside zone, right? A, a, A scheme that we use a lot here in Chicago to set up a lot of things off of. And, you know, I thought he was more of just an inside runner. Uh, if you go back and look at the all 22 from last week, he did some good things, you know, getting on the edge and outside zone. So he's really impressed me. Uh, Darrington Evans has impressed me as well, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Uh, because like you said, you have Roshan and, and Roshan. Yeah. I, I think, you know, had that concussion was out for a while yeah. came back trying to get his feet wet. Um, you know, it was tough last week. He had a good run. Then he fumbled the ball. Like he's yeah. trying to, trying to get back. And, you know, I, I think the, the key here is, you know, Deontay Foreman doesn't play special teams. 
So that's going to be, you know, Travis Homer, the special teams guy, Rashawn Johnson, the special teams guy. You know, Darrington Evans is a guy you brought in because Khalil uh, was hurt. But then Khalil gives you that home run ability. And, you know, I, I would ease him back in just because, like, it's not like you got to put him back in the starter, right. be the starter right now because <laughs> the run game hasn't slipped that much since he's been gone. And I would still ride uh, Deontay Foreman and ease Khalil back in if I had the choice. Uh, if it was my choice to make, that's what I would do. The only th- <clears throat> excuse me. The only thing that's interesting about uh, Deontay Foreman's game, to me, it's a very you have to have the quarterback help you move the ball and and vice versa, right? And what I mean by that is Deontay Foreman's. I don't believe he's had over a hundred yards in any rushing game that he's had to this point, right? He's been very much the I'm going to hit you in the mouth. I believe his his most uh, yards per carry at this point is. 5.2, which is really good to have. Yeah. But outside of that, we've seen a lot of the threes and fours in the four games he's been there. Um, for me, with Deontay Foreman, he's that ground and pound style that puts you in a position 100%. for you to get the short pass, get the short touchdown, things like that. I mean, we haven't... Let me see. Has he scored a touchdown since that Raiders game? Like, I feel like they haven't... The, well, the Chargers game was interesting. They didn't barely utilize them at all. I think he only yeah. had nine carries in that one. But it's just it's it's one of those games to me that when I see Deontay Foreman's game, it's a very complimentary game to a quarterback that's that can be successful on his own, and it helps the young quarterback as well. Where Khalil Herbert to me could be the guy that and and he proved this to me and surprised me this year. Well, I can turn around, get him the ball, and he can find a way to go get 120 yards and you know a couple of touchdowns out of it. And so. I wouldn't mind leaving Deontay in this week because this is probably the week he runs for 150. But like you said, like yeah. playing against a former team. 100%. <laughs> so I wouldn't mind leaving him in there this week. But he's such an interesting running back to me because there are games where I'm like, yo, he he could be a lead back in this league. I can't believe people, you know, weren't really looking to bring him into their organization. I mean, the reason the Bears end up with him is because, right, we offered him the $2 million and that was the best deal that he had on the market. Yeah. But on top of that, there's the other games where you're like, oh, okay, I guess I can kind of see, right? Like, if things are going south, we can't really utilize you in these sets and in this personnel grouping. Uh, There is no special teams usage for him at all. So, although I ain't going to lie, you can put him back there where Bayless is. Bayless ain't getting You can put him back there. Just right here. That's all you got to do now. That's it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I think when you look at it, too, it's a matter of, you know, what what, what do you want, right? And do you want to be like Deontay Foreman's a guy? He's a chain mover. He's a he's a power. He's a power. Yeah, so he's going to put you in a lot of third and short situations, which for me, I like right now because we have a young quarterback playing. Right. We have a, a veteran quarterback. Right. Even before the injury, he was up and down. He was struggling. So, you know, you have a better chance of sustaining drives. We're in third and short. You know, what right. I mean? Deontay Foreman's going to do those things for you. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a huge fan of Khalil Herbert. Uh, you know, he can take it. He can he can do what my man Alex Brown says all the time. Take it 88 out the gate, which means taking it like he can get that, oh, yeah. that ball and give you that explosive play. But, you know, at the same time, I, I mean, I would love first to be able to utilize both of them. You know, a change of pace. You got a back that's, you know, that can take it a distance, but you also have a back that can pound you a little bit. So, you know, trying to use both of those guys would be good. That's what we hope we had in Roshan because he's a mixture of both of those guys. Yeah. The inconsistent, like not inconsistency, but just for him coming back off an of injury, you know, he still got to, you know, I feel, you know, get his legs back after having that concussion. Yeah, Khalil to me, you know what? And, and I give Khalil all the credit in the world because I came into this season like, 
he's going to lose his job. Like, I, I really yeah. believe that he wasn't a, you know, he was an outside zone runner, which is great, but he's not a, uh, um, if I get hit off a of first contact, what am I going to do after that? And he hadn't been that guy. He proved me wrong this year. And I that's my favorite thing in the world when players prove me wrong. He proved me completely wrong. We saw him get those, you know, hey, listen, you're not going to bring me down. I'm going to run for an extra six, seven when I got three, four guys hanging off of me. I mean, like, I loved the way that Khalil Herbert was running before the injury. Um, and hopefully he's able to come back and, and continue that, you know, post-injury and things like that. The Bears are getting healthy, which it seems like it's at a good time for them as well. Um, because of how spaced out the schedule is and different things like that. And there's one guy that I think has been incredibly important that bringing Khalil Herbert back, but now having the question marks a little bit more solved on that right side of the offensive line with what Tevin Jenkins has been doing next to Darno, right? You mentioned it a little bit in the run game. That has to be the scariest thing in the world to see coming your way. Tevin Jenkins last week, he was the top guard in the NFL last week per PFF. I have to ask you this, J-Mac, with where the Bears are kind of getting healthy here now and you're starting to see this offensive line look like the offensive line that we wanted, how far away is this offensive line from being a legitimately strong group? Yeah, I mean, obviously you need a center. Um, I think you need another guard. Um, You know, left tackle. You got Braxton Jones back last week after being out. And here's the thing, right? Braxton, I know, oh, is he one of the top left tackles in the league? No. But the guy's played a lot of football already and it's going to be his second year. You know what I'm saying? So that experience is he's going to keep getting better. He's going to get better with the experience. But, yeah, I think you do. You know, you can never have enough. If you can bring in a a tackle, especially a left tackle, to to challenge Braxton for that job, you bring him in. But – you got it right on the right side with, with Tevin and Darnell Wright. And like I said before, when we started the show, Tevin, the praise that he gave Darnell in terms of his nastiness, his toughness, right, how physical he is and the chemistry that they built while Tevin has been moved over to right guard. Like, it's been awesome to see. And you see it in the run game. We run outside zone to the right. You're going to get yards, and there's going to be some guys on the ground. There's gonna be, my there's favorite gonna be, thing to watch. Man, there's going to be some pancakes. There's going to be some ear pads popping out of helmets. Because oh, yeah. Is falling on them on the defensive lineman. And it's good to see. It's good to see, like, that nastiness. Like, that's what you want. Like, that's what your offensive line should be known as, right? A group that – an intelligent group, but a group that when they're on the field, they're nasty, especially in the run game. Because, you know, it's one thing when those guys are in pass protection, right? Now you're giving that D-line an opportunity to come off the ball and tee off on that offensive line, right? But in the run game – they get to flip the script. They yeah. get to be the dictators. They get to set the tone. They get to establish that uh, that definition of physicality. And I love to see it with those guys. So it's good to see that, you know, you have the right side solidified and you can build upon that. Um, we definitely need a center. Um, you know, we've struggled there. We've tried different combinations. You know, neither one has worked. Uh, you know, Cody Whitehurst played a lot of ball, uh, but he's getting long in the tooth. So you need something there. And if you have a chance to bring in a left tackle, definitely you got to bring in one, you know, with the high draft picks and stuff like that that we have. You do got to bring that in. But having Braxton Jones there is a luxury as well because he's a guy who's played a lot of football early in his career. And, you know, he's a guy that should get better uh, with development. If you have the right, you know, thing. I think Coach Morgan is a good coach um, in terms of developing guys. And, you know, I think he's done well with Braxton so far. Yeah, no, Braxton <sighs> – 
The only question I have with Braxton is always, right, like it's the same things that have been beating him. Right? Yeah. It's not like to me, I think he's gotten better with, uh, um, you know, when guys try to get around him, he does a really good job of pushing him past the quarterback, creating that pocket, creating that space for him. But when guys just say, I'm just going to bull rush you, dog, and I'm going to push you back into your quarterback, that's the one thing that to me has still been consistent in this second year. Yeah. But how long does that take to develop? You already got this guy partially developed. Do you want to go out and add another guy in there? For me personally, I look at Joel Alt as a, as a Darnell right on the left side. Yeah, I per That's the guy that I've been eyeballing the entire time through college football. I like Olu. I feel like Olu has a lot of similar uh, uh, issues that we talk about with Braxton, though. But on that on that left side, like, I, I would love to see Joe out there. But I'm not mad at, you know, kind of where Braxton Jones is because it's not like this is the worst left tackle that you could have in the NFL. And he's a fifth-round pick. That's what I was going to say. Like, you look at it, you got a fifth-round pick at left tackle, right? The reason why he was a fifth-round pick because there was question marks, right? Yeah. There was deficiencies in his game. Yeah. The, guy, the linemen that go first, second round, right? They have less. They have less question marks, right? They're they're guys that could withstand a bull rush. Darn all right, for example, he's a right tackle. He was a guy yeah. that checked off a lot of boxes, right? Didn't have a lot of holes in his game. Does everybody need to be developed when they come in the NFL? Yes, because it's a different game than a college level. But he had less boxes, right? He was more NFL ready than Braxton Jones. So you get Braxton Jones in the fifth round, who is not a top tier offensive lineman coming out who's not NFL ready, but he comes in and earns a starting job. Like that's a plus right there. Like that's a good hit on a pick because he started his entire rookie season. So yes, the development comes in. That's the coach's job to develop the player. Like if he can't withstand a bull rush, that's something that you got to work on. Right. Yeah. You got to make his weaknesses strong. Right. But we also got to be able to continue to make his strength stronger. And that's, you look at all these teams in the league, and every year there's a guy who you never heard of that just comes out and has a breakout season. Well, that season was brewing because of the development that was taking place behind closed doors. That development was taking place in the meetings. That development was taking place in the weight room. That yeah. development was taking place getting extra reps after practice. That's when you know you have a great coaching staff, right? They can take a player who wasn't an upper echelon player coming out of the draft, right, and they can turn him in to a real pro, to a solid starter. That's coaching. That's development. And if you don't have that type of development or you don't have that type of coaches that can do that, well, guess what? Your team, you're not going to have a, a high rate of having sustained success in this league. You're going to have yeah. to develop players because you just can't draft everybody and say, oh, we draft this guy, we draft this guy, this guy hit, this guy hit, this guy hit. No. Some of the guys that's in your building, right, backups, practice squad guys, you're going to have to eventually develop those guys and turn those guys into starters or contributors on your team. I think that's the tough part that a lot of Bears fans have with with where this line is at right now, right? Because you look at the draft next year and you don't go, oh, yeah, we're going to find our starting center in this draft. Not a guy that, like to me, you're going out and getting a Braxton Jones at center, right? There's names out there, but you're not feeling like I got a guy that I could plug in day one and he'll be good. So do you address that in free agency? Do you address that in the draft? If you don't address that in free agency, to me, then you have to take a left tackle in the draft. And let's be real. I like Cody. You might be needing to find a left guard in the draft as well. Cody, yeah. like you said, he's a little long in the tooth. So you start to look at those situations and you say, okay, so we've got these two pieces for sure, which the best description of Noah and, and Tevin Jenkins that I've heard that Ryan Poles has used for both men is they're both pricks. He said, he said they are both just complete pricks on the field and they are not the person you want to see on the other side. Yeah. 
we don't have that at the other three positions right now. Right. And that's to me where if you're the Bears, this is a situation where maybe left tackle is the answer in the draft because that's there, but do you take that risk? Or do you look somewhere else and try to address a free agency? Free agent offensive lineman ain't been hitting the last couple of years. It looks bad out there. Yeah, Mike McGlinchey. Yeah. You're going to overpay and, and, you know, and if they don't pan out, you know, now you're stuck. Like, that's, yeah. that's the thing. <clears throat> do you want to take – it just depends on, on what your GM, like what he wants, what he feels, what he expects out of that position. Do you want a young guy – to come in, yeah, he's a high pick. You're still going to have to develop him regardless of what he did and, and how successful he was in college. Or do you want a guy who, yeah, he may be a guy that's playing the league for a while, but yeah. you know, you're going to overpay for him. And then, hey, once he gets his money, yeah, I've been in the league 10 years. I got paid. Am I going to shut it down a little bit or just yeah. know he's not as productive because his body's deteriorating a little bit? Things of that nature. So that's some things like, that you can't really pinpoint in free agency. You know, you don't know how these guys are going to respond once they get their money. And, you know, we're, we're talking about the O-line. I mean, look at the D-line. You still, you may have to bring in another DN because you're going to pay Yannick again. You know, he's a one-year guy. Like, what are you yeah. going to do on the other side opposite Montez Sweat? Like, that's a whole other factor. Like, you got Billings, you got Sweat, good foundational pieces. But, you know, you got Yannick on that other side who's on a one-year deal. You ain't getting no sacks this year. I don't know what, where we rank in terms of uh, sacks, but I know we're, we're definitely at the bottom of the, of the barrel in the league for sure. That doesn't help you when uh, you have entire multiple weeks in a row where you don't register one sack. You know, it doesn't put you very high up there. Uh, yeah, it it's it's very interesting to me too. The part that a lot of people don't know. We always talk about going to get the bodies, but we don't talk about the schemes that you have to put in place to help those bodies. And the one thing that me and you have talked about with this team is when the bears go to a 12 personnel set, how much better the offensive line looks, how much better Braxton Jones looks, how much, and it's almost like there's such a reluctancy to go to it with any consistency. And I think that that's the thing, right? Like the bears have bodies. This is the part that cracks me up now is like, we're this bad. And yet I know that there's actual, like last year, I didn't know if there was talented pieces on the team. I was like, we got that. We got Justin, like he's talented, but I don't know about the rest of the, of the team this year. I know Tremaine Evans is talented. I know TJ Edwards is talented. Darnell Wright, uh, Yannick Ngakwe, Montez Sweat, uh, um, you know, Tevin Jenkins, different things like that. Like I can see the talent there, but at a certain point there has to be this. Okay. We have this talent. Now, how do we make this talent work? from a scheme perspective. And I think that we've seen that lack just too many weeks in a row, man. Like they, there's so many times, but even in that rewatching that saints game, I get it right. That uh, uh, um, Tyson Beja is a lot better operating in the pocket, but I thought that there were a couple of times where it was like, yo, we can make this better by just running this and giving him the easy option here in 12 personnel. We like, it felt like there were too many times where it went back to, Okay, now we got 15 yards over the middle. Try and hit that. Try and come back to that. Try, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. There, there was so many question marks to me with the scheme. And as and as the season goes on, we keep going back to that. And I know people say that's an excuse, but that's how you make good players better and make their jobs easier. Yeah, I mean, and you talk about 12 personnel, right? So <clears throat> I think you're gonna get we're gonna get a heavy dose of that this week with Kyrie being out with the concussion. Um, so yeah, you see that you have versatility there because you can go 
what I would call Big 12, when you have Mercedes Lewis and Cole in the game, right? That's a Big 12 would be, you Even know. That, like, why are we using that more? Yeah, you, and they used it quite a bit last week. They had Mercedes in there a lot with Cole, and that's, you know, that, that can be effective in a running game. Uh, but, you know, when you go regular 12, you put Tanyan in there. Like, I, I don't really, you know, if I'm, if I'm using that now, I, I feel like that gives me an opportunity to stretch the field, to put Cole and Tanyan on some linebackers, uh, to give me more weapons in terms of them being, you know, threats in the passing game. Tanyan's not – I don't want to see him 12 personnel in the backfield, you know, trying to replace Kyrie Blasting him. I saw that uh, last week. You saw he whipped on a block and got my guy Deontay Foreman crushed. Oh, and actually, <laughs> Roshan on that play. He got Roshan crushed. It was so bad. But you know what, though? But he's not used to it, – it's so different, and people yeah. don't realize, like, it's so different when you're blocking in space, right? When there's space and you have to block in space and lead block, it's so different than have than, than inline blocking when you're on a line of scrimmage <clears throat> or when you're trying to log a defensive end or, you know, trying to uproot a defensive end and, and vertically displace him. It's a totally different blocking style. So if you're not used to doing that and you're putting a tight end in the backfield, well, now he's got space and them linebackers, do they do a lot of different things, right? To slip, to try to slip you and, and make a play in which that's what happened to Tunyon. So, is different, but just because of the injury, we're going to see that uh, this week. We're going to see a lot of 12 personnel. So we'll see what Getsy cooks up. I mean, like you said, he's got weapons. You've got guys with talent. It's just a matter of how you put that talent together. Um, and I'll go back to the defense side of the ball, saying the same thing, right? You've got talented players. You mentioned all those guys. You got Sweat, you got Yannick, you got Tremaine, you got TJ, you got Collar. Um, you know, I don't know if Tremaine will be back this week, but yeah. here's the thing that scheme doesn't work unless you get pressure. That scheme doesn't work unless you get sacks. Now, last week, they did get pressure. They did get some pressure on first and second down, but they weren't getting the sacks. Yeah. And, you know, the defense played well considering that the Saints offense, you know, seven times they, they started drives in Bears ter- territory. Five consecutive drives they started in Bears territory. You only put up 24 points. So that just tells yeah. you how bad the Saints are. But I, I give our defense credit. We didn't get the sacks, but we played – good enough to win that game, right? The difference in the game was five turnovers. That's the difference in the game right there. The fact that that you were in a position to still win that game with five turnovers on the board. Yeah. And if I'm not, I don't think it was five, but I think there was another game. We had like three turnovers and it was like, we literally could have still won this game. Maybe that was the, I want to say Denver game. Maybe, maybe it was a Denver game. Yeah, you look at it like this. There was it was two minutes and twenty six seconds left. I think I got into my notes. So the yard the yard line may be I may be wrong on the yard line. I think we're the ball was on our thirty seven, right? It's two minutes twenty six seconds left. We have the ball to go down and, and tie the game up. And what happens, right? Tyson Bages gets sacked, sacked fumbled by Demario Davis. Yep. Game over. But to have a chance, like to have a chance to come back and tie the game up. After, you know, offensively, we did a lot of good things the first half. The second half, like, turnovers just – it just snowballed. Like, boom, turnover, boom. DJ Moore, you know, peanut punch, ball comes out, boom, interception, interception. Like, to have a chance, it just shows you that, hey, like, the, the defense kept us in the game. You know, offense was a tale of two halves. 100%. 100%. Here's the interesting part about all of this, right? <laughs> I've spent a lot. I feel like I've spent a lot of this episode just looking at the coaches, just like, what the heck did I come back to? Like, how did we lose two games in the span? And we got a game tomorrow. This is crazy. Um, But there's an interesting coaching name 
that could be thrown in the Bears ring if things continue to go the way they're going out in New England. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Jason Locke and Fora was talking about, uh, you know, Bill Belichick might be interested in two teams here. It would be the Bears and uh, possibly the Washington Commanders here. J-Mac, now, (laughs) it's so weird to say this and say it like this because I don't know if I want Bill Belichick at this point, dog. Like, I really, really don't. Because here's the the why. Here's the Like Matt Nagy, the why. It it has nothing to do with who he is as a coach. 110% nothing to do with that. And I love the culture that he would bring. But the question mark for me is, what is Belichick now? 76, 77? Uh, let's see. Bill Belichick here is now. That'd be great if it typed in the right thing here. He's 71. 71. Okay. Oh, I'm aging him a little too far. There he is. I'm aging him a little too far. Like that, man. Come on, man. That's like when you age it, when you, when you, first of all, like coaches and players, right? When you, when you age them, when you age them, that's disrespect. When you also give them the, the the right amount of years in terms of how many years they play, that's disrespect. Like, yeah. if you meet any NFL player, and let's say this guy played nine years, and you say, oh, yeah, you played seven years, man, that's like the complete disrespect. No, I played nine, bro. I played nine, bro. Yeah. Don't get it wrong. I played nine. Hey, listen. Bill Belichick old, dog. That's the <laughs> point here. And no, in, in, in all honesty, though, my question mark with Bill is when he's gone, what does he leave? Right, because I think at this point, if Bill goes anywhere, guess who's coming with him? And that does excite me a little bit. He's gonna go get Joshy back. We're gonna ride. The dogs will ride at dawn. I love Josh McDaniels as an offensive coordinator. I would love to see him work with Justin Fields. I would love to see Bill Belichick with his hands on a defense that already has Tremaine Edmonds, T.J. Edwards, Jack Sanborn, Montez Sweat, Andrew Billings. Maybe you keep Yannick around for that already, right? Like you got DBs in the building. Maybe. able to hold on to Jalen Johnson now all of a sudden the Bill Belichick I'd love the scenario that's there what's the book what you already said you didn't want so why what's 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 the caveat to that because I don't want Josh McDaniels to be the next in line (laughs) (laughs) he's a horrible head coach bro like I'm telling you he's such a bad head coach I might pass on Bill Belichick oh man because I fully believe that he'd be like, well, yeah, I'd come here and then they'd give me a shot because they want to continue the system that I've already built with Justin. Yeah, I can see that. But there is a – now, I, and I don't like – you know, I haven't really thought about this a lot. I'd have to just kind of do more, more research and just say, ah, you know, the, the goods and bads like I have to, of having Bill, right? And I, I just know this, right? I'll just go off with a couple of goods that I have off the top of my head right now. The, the main thing that I like Bill Belichick, as a coach, and I'm not saying Bill Belichick should be the coach of the Bears, but I'm saying the things that Bill, the things that he does have going for him, right? Yeah. Is, and I always say this, is to understand, to know how to win, you have to know how, you have to know what winning looks like, right? To have sustained success, you have had to have sustained success before, or, you, or you've had to seen it, have seen it, right? Yeah. Or you should have been in the building where you've seen somebody that has had sustained, sustained success. So if, if I'm a young coach, first time head coach, like I want him to come from an organization that has had sustained success or if we bring in a head coach like Bill. Yeah. Success has been there. He knows what it takes to win Super Bowls. 100%. He knows what it takes to, to win. 
You know, he knows what it takes to put a team together. He knows what it takes to uphold a standard and culture in the locker room, right? I, I, a couple of my, my buddies who were here in Chicago that went to New England, and I'll talk about my, my guy, Brandon McGowan, B-Rock, played safety for us, went to New England, right? And he always tells us, he's like, and B-Rock's a guy from New York, so he's like, yo, yo, J-Mac, yo, yo. Bill was crazy, yo. He used to cuss Tom out. He used to cut, make fun of Tom, cuss Tom out. He's like, he would, nobody was safe, bro. But he also said that that locker room, that culture in that locker room was to the umph degree. Right. He used to tell me, Willie McGinnis, right? Him and him and Brady would would race to see who got in the facility first, but they'd also they'd also uh used to have a competition of who would lead the facility last. So he said they would like pump fake each other. Like Will Willie would like get his his stuff together, act like he was leaving, and then if Brady left, Willie would come back. He would come back, uh, you know, back in the facility to watch more film. And then the next day he'd be like, "Hey, uh, Tom, you just gonna leave early today?" Like you know what I'm saying? Like that's the type of standard that you need. Like that's that's why they won so many Super Bowls. Yeah, he said that's how that entire locker room was. See, and I I would love Bill from. Here's the thing. I would love Bill the coach. I think Bill the GM has put them in a bad situation with a lot of players. I would be surprised if the Patriots do end up actually firing Bill Belichick mid-season, in-season, any of that, right? All the reports. There's there's not many coaches that have earned the respect to like, hey, listen, no matter what, like, yeah, you're going to coach the rest of this season and then we'll p- mutually part ways. Bill Belichick's the one coach that you give that respect to. Yeah. But it's such an... I don't know, man. Like, I would love to have him here, but there's just such a concern of me of sustainability with a guy like that, right? And that's that's always my biggest question. How long is that going to last? Because the biggest issue with the Bears has always been the pop-ups, right? Listen, you guys, Bears teams were great, but there was only the one Super Bowl run. There was only the one, okay, this is the team that can get it done. And if they had just this little bit, they might have won that one, right? And then we don't win again for, you know, we, we're not, we, we get to a point where we're not even competing again for a while. Um, and then we bring Jay back and we compete for one year offensively. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's gone again. Mm-hmm. And then you get, so like for me, it's all about sustainability. Is there, is this the time where you bring Bill Belichick in and maybe he gives you two to three years of a great time? And then it's gone again because he is the culture. We've seen people try to replace the Bill culture. Right. It's only worked twice. Vrabel. Yeah. And I mean, really, that hasn't worked. They haven't won a Super Bowl, but I think that that's a good thing. Maybe it's only worked once. Am I missing somebody? That's all I can think of. I mean, you you're right though. It's but it's it's the fact that you I mean the change, right? You talk about sustainability. Well, the yeah. change. I mean, coach after coach, Trestman, Fox, Nagy. Yeah, that ain't good either. You know what I'm saying? Like you can never <clears throat> there will never be sustainability because there's not there's there's you don't have the right coach. You've continually right. made the wrong choice over and over again. Yeah. So at the at the end of the day, <clears throat> if you keep making the same mistake. In terms of hiring these coaches, they can't turn this thing around. Well, guess what? You got to change your process. The process in which you're evaluating and selecting coaches is wrong because it's proven. It, you, it's been proven over and over again. We, we fired two coaches in this season, Jay. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like even before that, though, like the change in, in the turnover in coaches. Yeah. Like I'm not just talking about this season. Like yeah, gone. 
fox gone now you're gone like yeah your process in terms of hiring that head coach is wrong so you've got to do something different like if this time around and you know i'm not gonna you know i don't know what's gonna happen at the end of the year but this time around if, if that does happen to where you you have to go out there and find a new coach you got to change the process you can't yeah. do the same thing that you've done because it hasn't worked and that's the accountability i'm talking about right if, if from, a, from an owner's standpoint, if I'm not accountable to myself or I can't admit that I've been at fault in terms of evaluating and hiring coaches, then it's never going to change. Right. Yeah. After a while, like it's not just the coach's fault. Right. It's not just the GM's fault. As an owner, it's my fault because I'm the one who, who put these guys in place. So right. I failed over and over again. Right. But it, it comes to a point in time where I have to say I messed up. Not once, twice. I've, me I've been messing up. So you got to change the process. And if you don't change that process, you're going to get the same result. It'd be interesting, man. Bill's such an interesting, because I just know what he, you, like you mentioned, right? You know what he brings. The question is how far away is your team from what he brings? Or is your team already good enough for what he brings? Because I don't, like, I, I really believe this, right? The best coaches in the NFL could take your team and beat you with. Andy Reid running his scheme with this Bears team would look amazing. Well, the thing about Andy Reid, though, um, he he it's it's his scheme. But reason why the reason why Andy Reid is so great, and I had an opportunity to play for him my rookie year, is because he can adapt and adjust. He can yeah. adapt and adjust to the talent he has around him. So yeah, does he have a scheme? Right? Does he have a template of an offense that he likes to run? Yes. But at the same time. If he has a quarterback that doesn't fit that template in terms of what he yeah. wants as a quarterback, he knows how to do things, right? He knows how to scheme, game plan to make sure that his quarterback's going to have a higher success rate. You know, he takes the input of his players, just like we see right at Kansas City. They said he has a day or he lets his players design some plays, right? One, that's good because you get them involved in the offense. Yeah. But also now you're letting them have, let you let, you're seeing, their creativity, things that they like within the offense, right? And if you want to be a good coordinator, you have to be willing to take the input of your players because they're the ones out there on the field, right? If your quarterback does not want to sit in the pocket, if he doesn't feel comfortable sitting in the pocket, you know, the whole entire game, well, guess what? And he's telling you that. Well, then you've got to be able to adjust and make changes to get him, to get him out of the pocket to increase his rate of being successful. And if you can't do that, you're going to have the same things that we've seen over and over again. Is that – it's interesting you bring that up. Is that the biggest issue that we've seen with Bill? <clears throat> Bill has always been a coach that finds the players that fit what he runs. And it seems lately that he hasn't been able to fit what he runs to the players, right? You got Cam Newton in there pre-COVID, and it looked pretty good – but, you know, post-COVID, different situation. But you brought him back next season, and you went out and got Mac Jones, who was supposed to be Tom Brady's replacement. Crazy. Uh, and he didn't fit what you ran. And also, right, you just went out and got people that you thought knew how things ran. The, defeat, the DC for an OC thing was crazy for yeah. a while there, right? Like, But it seems like he's trying to make players fit what he runs, which to me is my biggest issue with... Uh, uh, Luke Getze with uh, 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 Matt Eberflus right now is they're not fitting to what the players are doing on the field currently. Yeah, I mean, you look at it like this, right? 
you talk about Mac Jones, it's a situation, okay, they got their offense, they envision what they want their quarterback to be, he comes in, he can't run what they want, it, what they want him to, he can't even run the adjustments that he, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, hey, coach, I don't like this, I like this, but he can't even, he can't even run what he's yeah, supposed yeah. So it's 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 a it's a dumpster fire. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you can't. That's a weird I think they broke him. I'm not gonna lie. It's not many times where I'd be like the coaching staff broke the quarterback. I think when they like the whole bill treats everyone the same, that don't work with quarterback. Like you benched him for Bailey Zappi in the middle of a game and then brought back in Mac Jones in the fourth quarter. Like yeah. I really think Mac was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing out here at this point. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's a that's an interesting one for me, dog. Bill, Bill would be interested. Let us know how you guys feel in the comments below. Uh, drop your comments down there and let us know. Would you be interested in Bill Belichick as a head coach if he was interested in the Bears? He's actually got ties here. I think EO was saying there's some ties here that why he might want to come. Didn't you have some? Uh, yeah, so like his dad was a big part in the NFL earlier and he has ties to Hallis. Him and Hallis did a lot of stuff earlier in the league. And another reason why he's going to, if he gets fired, stick around in this league is he cares, again, going back to his dad being the house, he cares a lot about the history of the NFL. And he's like, he's 16 games away from being the winningest coach in NFL history. Okay. Whether that takes two, three seasons, I think he's sticking it out. Mm. That's, that's, when, you, that's, when, you, when you say, like, the 16 wins is going to take two or three. He comes here, it's going to take Hey, listen, that's seasons. tough. Right, yeah. I mean. <laughs> hey, hey, we got hey, 17 hey, game hey. seasons. He said that. I, I was getting mad. I was about to log off. <clears throat> I was about to log off. The Bears clicked. I'm about to log off. Right. That's man. <sighs> man, it take three seasons win 16 games here. Oh man. I'm I'm putting all my bear stuff in the attic. Half of it's in the attic right now, I'll be honest with you, but I'm I'm really gonna put it in the attic. <laughs> <laughs> every, every loss, another piece just slowly works his way yeah. up to the attic. Like Clark, Clark Griswold <laughs> going up in the attic, getting my bear stuff. Rewatching old, rewatching old, uh, <laughs> <laughs> freezing up there in the attic. <laughs> now, let me, you went through, right? You were here through the first coaching change before Lovey got here, right? Yeah, I was here with my first year was Dick Jerron. Dick Jerron. And that was interesting because young guy, and um, it was weird because after our last game, we're on the plane, uh, who we played the last game? I don't remember, but they fired. They fired him the next day, and you, you know, people knew he was going to get fired. Um, it was just weird, though. You know, going in the building, knowing that these coaches were going to be fired. Um, you know, my running back coach was uh, Earl Mosley was there, and you know, he kind of broke the news and was like, you know, we had a meeting, and, and then we broke up in the position meetings. He was like, yeah, you know, they're, they're letting uh, Dick Jerron go. We're probably going to go, and it was tough, man, because like. I remember guys in that lock in that in our room, our running back room, who had that connection with Earl, and I was young, so that was my first year. I didn't have the connection that they had with Earl because they had him longer than me. But you know, they were crying. Earl was crying. They were crying because they had that bond and they knew yeah. that hey, you know what, like I, I probably won't be coached by this guy again. And it was tough for me to see that. Just, just it, it was you know for those guys to go through that and Earl, you know that coach losing his job. So. It's it's not a good thing, and then to have that quick transition, like yeah. Lovey was in the building, everything changed. The way things were ran, the meetings, everything. Like, you know, the 
the the the the, the meal plan, everything changed. Like, the I work, like how you can't it. help but go into the lovey voice on accident. You, you <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's what it was. Everything changed, man. It was it, it was different. It was different. But when you see that change, it's yeah. like starting over. So Lovey's first year, we were five and eleven. You know, we it wasn't like we came out the gates of blazing with Lovey. We had to learn his style. We had to learn his standard. We had to learn his expectation. We had to develop a new culture. He brought new guys in. We had to learn our teammates, build chemistry with our teammates, stuff like that. So it was it was definitely a weird year. I was younger. Uh, so, you know, my whole my whole mindset was like I didn't really care who the coach was. I want to make sure I was on the team. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, look, I'm going out here. I'm playing every special team. Joe, you need somebody to punt. I'm a punt. <laughs> you need somebody to hold for field goals. I'm over for field goals. Like, I remember times where practice, like, it, like, we're out at practice, and I'm lining up first in line for drills, and I don't even know what drill it is. Like, hey, man, this is the punters. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, you want me to punt or not? Hey, 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 I thought I thought y'all needed an extra one. Yeah, you never hey, know. Man, I'm trying to be on this team. You never know. <laughs> uh, no, but the question I want to ask you on that is, right, like, how much of a – and no disrespect to Dick Jaron. It wasn't good. Um, how much of a change is it when you go from a coach that – I mean, it seems like things went bad pretty quick with Dick Duran to a coach where Lovey, okay, you give him a year to get used to things, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, Lovey can coach. Oh, Lovey got, hold on, we might have something here, right? Because then you see the jump from 5 and 11 to the next year. Now all of a sudden y'all was ready to ride. Yeah, I think that just came about with Lovey's system. Um, it fit Brian Erlacher to a T. Uh-huh. Brian Erlacher was more mature. You know, obviously uh, – he was brought in before he, Lovey inherited Brian, but the system fit Lovey. I mean, the system fit Lack and Lack, you know, more years of development, more, you know, had more experience. So he was better. Uh, Lance Briggs was there. Peanut Tillman was there. You had pieces oh, yeah. that fit Lovey's system. Um, so that, that's it. You know, like when you have guys that are developing, you're hitting on some picks and, and, and key pieces to your system that can make your system work. Well, that's when, you know, good success comes about. You know, Lovey drafted Tommy Harris, you know, ideal three technique in his system. Um, so that's why Lovey was able to, obviously, 5-11 and 11, the first year was tough. Like I said, you had to go through a different way of doing things, get used to your coach and all that stuff. But the next year, you know, it came out and, and we were better just because guys were getting more comfortable, understanding what the expectation was. Guys were m- more mature, another year of development. So, you know, it's a process, man. It is, yeah. it is a process. But the thing is, right, when you – it's a process in terms of when you see your team taking steps, right, to get better, right? First year you may be terrible. The next year you're a little bit better. The next year you're a playoff team. Like, that's encouraging. But what's not – but we what we've seen here in Chicago is we seen a team that was really bad last year, and we see a team right now that we don't we don't really see any – Steps are getting better. We don't really see the development. It's like we're in right. the same place. So the frustration is how can we be in the same place when we've added all these pieces? We've added better players, better talent, more competition, but we're still in the same place. So I think that's when you start to question who's at the head, the coaching staff, the scheme, yeah. the process, like the, the standard, the culture, all that stuff. That's what comes into question. Yeah, and and I've said this. This is my <laughs> my new standard is now with everything that we see in the NFL, mm-hmm. do it again. Because I I love like to me, Dick Jaron is the perfect example of that. And then going into Lovey, there was a lot of you know, it was a, a lot more consistency with Lovey. Right, there was some struggle years, but there was years where 
We knew what we had defensively. We knew we were going to be able to go out there and dominate and get wins that way. But Jerron, I mean, Dick Jerron has like one of the best records in Chicago Bears history. Mm. And the very next season, he won six games. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's all about show me again. He went 13 and three, I believe, in 2001. And then, you know, it's six and six and 10, five and 11. That's what I talk about with Bill on if Bill comes here, is he going to be here long enough? to get the consistency. That's why it's hilarious that with EO, <laughs> he said, might take him three seasons to get set. It was like, bro, don't give me 10 one year and then you win three and three the next two. Yeah, you know I mean? Like, that's, that's yeah. I want the consistent, all I want yeah, is a team for 10 years that I can feel good about. Yeah. That's all I want. Ten years. You just want to you just want to wear your, your bear's hat in public and, and not get laughed at. I, I mean, man, I was down in the DR. A lot of NFL fans down there this weekend. I'm down in the DR. And mothers are looking at me and they just like, Oh, you from Chicago? <laughs> ah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, no, no, I mean, like, you're not even gonna make fun of me yeah. no more. You're not even gonna joke about me. It's just like, I'm sorry. Yeah, like, Patch on, you get that pat on the back, you know it's bad. Oh man. <laughs> Bro, it was so tough. That's why I put out I put out a tweet over the weekend, basically like talking about where all our teams I had said uh Bulls have the third worst record in the NBA, Blackhawks fourth worst record in the NHL, White Sox fourth worst record, and MLB and the Bears third worst record in the NFL. It's just a picture of, of uh <clears throat> the oh I'm choking for real. Hold on now. Uh oh. That's how bad. That's how bad the record that's is. That's how bad man. it was. I got choked up. I got choked up. Hey man, let's get up out of here before I die in this mug. Appreciate y'all for tuning in and showing love. Uh, J Mac, go out there and get a dub for us this week, my guy. We need uh, we need a Bears dub, and of course we need Carmel to get that yeah, dub. For sure, man. Definitely, man. Let's hope we can go be two and zero. Hey, Sunday. that's the hope, man. That's the hope. But hey, as always, it's your boy Pat the Designer back at it again. With J-Mac in the building. Bear down. Let's go get a win. Score predictions. Drop them below. Y'all know what to do, man. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Peace.